Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town, and now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the Self-Made CEO Podcast. Welcome back, my name is Adrian Finch. Today I'm here with a very special guest, Andres Hansen, one of my personal close friends and also someone that I look up to very much. And we have an awesome episode here today. I'm so, so excited about it because we're basically getting into his story of not only his experience with being adopted and also his athletic background, because he has like a crazy athletic background that is so impressive and cool, but also talking about how that's led him to his current role as a group fitness instructor and manager. And also, more importantly in my mind, how the athletic mindset has affected both his career and personal life. I think there are a lot of really awesome takeaways. We talk about some of his, I guess, flaws, as we would say, <laughs> and you know how he's, how he's gotten through some stuff in his life. So it's a very powerful episode, lots of important, fun stuff. So let's just dive right in. Stay tuned. My name is Adrian Finch, and I believe wholeheartedly that anyone from any background can create the success and happiness that they want. With my proven productivity hacks, business tactics, and a little mindset coaching, this podcast will unlock your greatest potential and transform you into the CEO of your own life, business, happiness, and success. So what are you waiting for? This is the Self-Made CEO Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Self-Made CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Finch. We're on episode 21. I feel like every single week I'm like surprised at how far along we've already come, but it's episode 21. We're here. I'm here with a dope guest. Hello. Hello. He's uh, shaking his arms in the air. You can't see it. I wish people could see it. Actually, good insert. You can see these videos. The video versions are now up on what used to be my vlog channel is now just my self-made CEO podcast YouTube channel. So all the video versions of us recording this podcast are right over there. Hi, Andres. How are you? I am good. How Thank are you? Thank you for being here. I'm good. We just had quite the drive. We had the coffee break. I want to say something. Starbucks does not have food that I'm not allergic to, and it's really saddening. You did get a bar, though. I did. It's nice. What's it called? A perfect bar? Yeah. Okay. It was actually pretty good. It's basically just all peanut butter, which I love. <laughs> so we had a little Starbucks run. Anyway, it's early in the morning. Hey, everyone. Hope you're all doing well today. So, okay, I have an awesome guest here. We're going to get into some really cool really interesting stuff. But before we begin, I want to do a little hot seat with you. So I was just on Kenzie Elizabeth's I Love You So Much podcast. If you guys haven't heard that episode, I think it's probably out by now. I'll put the link in the show notes. But she does something on her show where she asks every single guest three questions at the beginning. Don't worry, Kenzie, I'm not coming from your brand, coming for your brand. But I did think it was very interesting. And this could help you get to know Andres a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you three things. I'm ready. Are you nervous? Yeah. Okay. Not Don't really. be. They're actually not, not that juicy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number one. What is the best concert or show you've ever gone to? Oh, my gosh. This is one of the hardest questions you could ever ask me. I figured, yeah. Um, best concert or show I've ever been to? I like your favorite one. My favorite one? You know what? There's so many. I would have to say... The coolest, like the coolest thing that I've been to was, I'm from Minnesota, and there's this really small venue that's called First Avenue, which is kind of what made Prince Prince. And I got to see 
Odessa there before they were Ooh. Odessa. Okay, before they were Odessa. So I'm like, uh, that's those kinds of concerts are always something that I'm very, very yeah, into. Yeah, before the band becomes huge. Yeah, that. And then I also saw Anderson Pack right at House of Blues in Anaheim, like right before he became what he is now. So like that's awesome. I'm a I'm a big proponent of smaller venues. Yeah. Of Before like people up and coming up. artists. Okay, yeah. that happened to me with Bastille. Everyone laughs because they're like Bastille, but I love Bastille and I saw them in this <laughs> tiny, tiny little theater in Dublin. You can't hear me but I'm smiling. <laughs> I mean okay, I love Bastille. But okay, regardless though, I thought it was cool because they were so they literally had one song. They had Pompeii and that was like the only known song. And mm. it was this tiny theater in Dublin, which I thought was so cool that and cool. intimate. Aren't liked, they from he, there? They're from summer English and summer from Ireland. But yeah, it was sick. I feel that. Okay, number two. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve. I know this one. Yeah. It's probably being late. Yep. I was um, going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sometimes. I mean, okay. I understand life happens. Like you can be like people are late. Yeah. And I think I just actually was talking to one of my coworkers about this is I was listening to this other podcast, which they have Pete Carroll as their as his guest. And for those of you who don't know Pete Carroll is he's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, which is where Adrian's from. Yep. Um, his first his first uh his first rule is be be early. And mm-hmm. I really, you know, love that for a lot of reasons because like and he even says it, he calls him out, he's like well, when's the last time you were on time to something? Like actually on time, and that yep. for, <laughs> that is so true. Like, have you ever tried to be? I'm like there at nine the o'clock. Dot? Have I? Were you there at no, you know nine you're... o'clock nine zero 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 zero? Like, I don't think so. So, yeah, being early, I think, is like really important. It also also shows a lot about like you know, like being prepared yeah. and also respect for whoever you're meeting or if you're meeting somebody. That's definitely true. I think being punctual definitely says a lot about, or even if it's not necessarily completely reflecting on who you are as a person, it does say a lot about who you are to mm-hmm. someone else. So like me, for example, I feel like something I definitely need to work on. And it's like, I feel, I feel like I'm responsible and I feel like an adult, I feel like I'm disciplined. And then something as small as being three minutes late, like doesn't show that to someone. And mm-hmm. I hate that. I think if you communicate what's going on it's not you know it's not nearly as sorry bad. i just have a character flaw called i can't be on time <laughs> is that me communicating it because that's pretty much what happens um but i feel it yeah i even like so we live in la right and mm-hmm. people i hear a lot of people talk about you know traffic and how they move out of la because the traffic is so bad and it stresses them out so much and for me i've never really felt that because i've always tried to add I mean, there have been times I've been late. Okay, I'm not perfect, but um, but, you add been, but I but I add like I add like 30 minutes. Yeah. Or I add 45 and minutes to it. Yeah, and then I'm just like I'm chilling in my like, car. Even if like, there's traffic, you're like it's not stressful though. I think, but yeah, and I think being late or the stressful. stress of being late is what yeah. attributes to like road rage and people oh, totally. hating traffic. Like where it's literally like, today on the way here, someone behind us was twice definitely late twice. to something. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like flipping people <laughs> off and like screaming. Which yeah, I'm like, I've been for me, there, moving lanes, I got flipped off I today. Know. That is really sad. It's crazy. I feel that. No, that I mean that makes sense. I think that's a good pet peeve because. I feel like I need to have that pet peeve so that I change my own actions. But hey, we're not perfect. I'm I don't know if there's it. such thing as a good pet peeve. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, question number three. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
This is really funny, and it's completely opposite of what I ended up doing, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, in like third or fourth grade, so I come from two of my uncles are orthopedic surgeons, and I really, really loved watching like Discovery Channel, like TLC, and watching Mm -hmm. all those surgery shows. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I even, I can't watch them now. Like, I get squeamish if I watch them now, but when I was that age, like, I really wanted to be like, some sort of cardiothoracic surgeon wow. or some sort of like, you know, orthopedic surgeon. I think, no, it was cardiothoracic. Like, I, I was imagine like, imagine little fourth grader being like, I want to be a cardio surgeon. Yeah. And like my, my uncle gave me all like his scrubs and all of his <laughs> oh like God, scrubbing gear. Cause I had to like do a presentation on what I wanted to be. Oh, that's and adorable. Yeah. This is actually, we've never I actually love, talked about no, this before. I never knew that. Yeah. I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Wow. I mean, when I was really little, I wanted to be an astronaut. Because I've always loved space, but like. Also, I feel like that's such a typical child answer. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I definitely I wanted to be a pop star. Like, I wanted to be a singer, and I was like, really. You're really on young. your way. I'm on my way. Yeah. I'll sing for you guys maybe at the end of the show. No, I won't. Um, <laughs> like that's super interesting. I just like that question too because I, uh, I find it fascinating to kind of compare and contrast like what people wanted to be when they were kids, when they were in high school, when they're in college, and like what are they doing now and. You know, obviously your career can change a thousand times over the yeah. course of your life, but I always find it to be funny. Like can you I are be, so not doing that now. Can I be honest on yeah. when it changed? So I interviewed I interviewed my uncle when I was like trying to like doing this presentation. This was in third grade. I can't believe I, I can't remember believe all these you details. even did that in third grade. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it's third or fourth grade. Yeah. And I interviewed him. I was like, So like how much school is required? Like, what do you need to do to, like, what's the process to become this? Mm -hmm. And I remember him being like, yeah, it's, like, 14 to 16 years of school. And after that, I was like, fuck that. No, that's not going to go down. That's not happening for me. (laughs) Well, and especially when you're that young, you're already – I remember being in elementary school thinking, like, even to the end of high school was so long. I was like, that's, like, in 10 years. That feels like forever. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, like – in high school too or middle school because I had middle school I still was like thinking about I was like yeah this could be cool and yeah. then and then I, like, and then I kept thinking about like more and more school and yeah. I was like nah I, yeah. think I'm, I think I'm good on that I feel that especially nowadays I feel like there are so many careers that don't necessarily require like a master's or a PhD or going to medical school and so people are just like oh I don't want to do that I don't want to be in more debt I don't want to but obviously in third grade, you weren't thinking about debt, I don't think. No, I don't think so. But that's interesting. All right. Well, thank you for being in my hot seat. Yeah. We will we will move right on from the hot seat. Um, so I want to give you guys a tiny bit of background before we jump into his actual background. I actually met you in your workplace. And something that, I mean, a lot of things right away impressed me about you as a person, both in your job and in your role and just as you, how you communicated with others and all of that. So one thing I noticed right away was just like your energy and presence. And that sounds like corny, but I think you guys all know when you walk into a room and you feel an energy, whether it's from a person or from like the environment that you're in. I know when I go apartment hunting, I can tell instantly if I if it has a good energy or not. I'm like, nope or yes. And I think so right away, something I could tell about you was like you had a really good energy. You were super just able to connect with people, me included. You like which obviously makes sense. You're you're well, I won't give away your job yet, actually. (laughs) But okay, it does make sense for your job. Um, and I feel like that's something that was super natural to you, which I personally find to be very similar. I feel like for me, that's helped me in my career and job is being able to be like relate to people and talk to people and connect with people very easily. So I think like you and I connected right away because we both were kind of like that. So we we actually met in the workplace. I would argue that we have very you have the same energy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would definitely Thank argue you. that. I appreciate that. But yeah, I think it's pretty obvious like right away. It was like, whoa, hello. We're both these like outgoing people. But I feel for you, when do you feel like you try to be that way or it just happens? No, I think I, I don't think I try. I don't have I don't have to try. Yeah. There are there are obviously days where this it's harder than others. Like totally. Where I don't really feel like if you're not feeling putting social. myself yeah, yeah, or like really putting that much energy in but but I'm so extroverted that yeah. it just it, happens. It's just like what Yeah, you when want. I'm in that space I definitely like it's not hard for me. I enjoy yeah. it. So yeah. it comes from a place of like actually pure joy. Yeah. I would say. No, I I think me too. It's like if I'm in a random room I like wanna go up to someone and talk to them. Which it took me until I was a little bit older to realize that that's not just something that everyone does, that it's not just something that everyone naturally even can do or feels comfortable doing. And I realized, oh, wow, like this is actually a gift that I feel comfortable going up to strangers and saying things. Yeah. And or like when you go up to somebody who's not into it. Totally. Like you, there's it's and definitely you get, a thing. you get the vibe right away. Like, okay, cool. I'm going to stop talking now. Yep. Yeah, I feel that. Anyway, okay. My whole point of saying that is I... You know, I noticed a couple of things, one being your energy and presence in, you know, in the workplace and how you connected to people. And another being that I could tell right away. And I don't know if this is just an intuitive thing that I have or that, you know, you demonstrated it. But I could tell that you were a hard worker. I could tell you had a strong work ethic and that you were like disciplined. And that, by the way, guys, this is not like after day one of meeting him. This is like, OK, I'm getting to know you a little bit better, like seeing you more frequently and. I could just tell like you were very disciplined and hardworking. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've valued surrounding myself with people who are like that and people who are career driven, people who, you know, are responsible, <laughs> as simple as it sounds, like can get up in the morning and do their job well and be on top of everything. So many people fall through the cracks, I think. And so anyway, I respected that a lot about you. And there's a reason I'm bringing all of this up. But what I'd like to talk about today with you is a lot about your background and kind of how not only how you got into like the current industry and career that you're in, but also how pieces of your past and how you grew up and like the things that you used to do, how that's impacted both, you, you know, your thoughts and actions in your career and in your industry, but also personally. And this will make a lot more sense as you actually start telling that story. Yeah. <laughs> but I really do want to get into that stuff because we something I also noticed about you right away, you kind of were on my level with the whole mindset stuff, kind of thinking deeper about who we are as people and, and what our mindsets are and how we can shift that and just being very aware emotionally of the world and people and ourselves. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to shut up because this really is about you. But why don't you give a little bit of a background as to, I guess, your life up until this point? Yeah. Do you want me to start from the beginning? Yeah, start from the beginning. All right. Well, um, I was born in Guatemala. I was adopted when I was three months old. So I was adopted by middle class Two white parents and an adopted adoptive sister. She's from Columbia. Her name's Susanna. Um, I grew up in a western suburb of Minneapolis. It's called Minnetonka. Um, it's a fairly like wealthy area, and so um, a lot of times growing up, majority of my you know childhood in school, I was like the only colored kid, and for the, until probably about sixth grade, and I never felt any different like it never really I never it never really hit me like I understood where I was from my parents were very open about me being adopted and I went got to go back to Guatemala a couple of times when I was really young like eight years old was the first time I went back and it was you know it was an interesting dynamic now especially looking back on it like when I was in a, in it I wasn't really thinking about it but 
um, looking at it at that dynamic or the family dynamic and it also seeing how interested people are in it or, in, or are into it like it's so it's so funny to think about that I into wasn't the even part that you were like adopted, adopted. Or where, yeah and and yeah. everything about yeah. it like it's so it's not you know your traditional right. you know, childhood I mean I I grew up and played in the backyards with my friends like that part is traditional but like the traditional like nuclear family I yeah. don't think that that's actually that's not something that I ever experienced um so yeah graduated from Minnetonka High School and then my whole life growing up I when I was five or four years old I was watching the watching the Olympics and there's this really great gymnast his name is John Roethlisberger and He's like a four-time gold medalist, and I remember watching that. Like, I can remember sitting in my parents' bed when I was like three or four years old and watching the Olympics. I'd have to see. I don't remember what how what age. Like, I'd have to see what Olympics it was. But um, I was like, I want to do that. Like, I told my parents, like, I want to do that, and they're like, Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And I was like, No, I want to do that. I want to do that. And um, so when I was like five and a half or six, I my parents enrolled me in gymnastics, and so I started and excelled at it and ended up being like a competitive gymnast went to nationals once once did not do very well um and then got injured and so i started looking to other you know means or other sports and so this was in now in eighth grade fast forward um where i was looking for a new sport and it seemed that diving made the most sense because it was you know very close as far as like body awareness Mm -hmm. and um, air awareness and similar movements where you're, you know, spinning around the air and Wait, landing. question also. Do divers, do traditionally divers have gymna- any sort of gymnastics background or do they have to train gymnastics during, like, while they're diving? Because I feel like that is so true. Like, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to flip, obviously. Yeah. Or do they learn it in the water? Honestly, I don't know because yeah. that wasn't my, right. that, wasn't that wasn't the you. way that I. So interesting. But there's a lot of. A lot of divers that come from a gymnastics okay. background, yeah, like they sense. started in gymnastics and then they moved to diving. Right. Okay. Whether it was earlier or later than I did, you know, it really depends. Mm-hmm. So I didn't start diving until I was in ninth grade. And I started, I have to give a shout out to my coach. She was amazing. Her name's Cindy. Um, and really patient. I basically had to relearn everything because diving mechanics and gymnastics mechanics are two very different oh, things. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of differences. And so you're also using a springboard instead of just like a trampoline or you're not even using a trampoline gymnastics. You're just using the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so had to kind of relearn that whole thing. And so it, first year did pretty well. It's like, hey, I could actually be decent at this. And so I started training a little bit that summer. And then the next, the following year, I actually qualified for state, got top seven in state and I hate talking about this because it feels like I'm bragging, but got top no, seven state, and good. This is good. I was like, okay, like I can, I want to try to die division one. Like I want to go division one. I want a scholarship to a division one school, and so I started training like year round. Like in so the season for diving in high school in Minnesota is from about November, yeah, December to March, and so the. Summers, you know, when I wasn't in school, I was training five days a week between four and six hours a day, um, just trying to get as good as I could. Like, literally, just I started diving tower because when you start, you start on the lower levels, right? Mm-hmm. So, tower is the 10 meter and five, seven, 10 meter. Um, and that was 
that was an experience. Like I cannot tell you how many times I landed out flat on my back or flat on my belly and like, Ouch. you know, learning new dives and, you know, terrifying. Like I don't like heights, right? Like I'm not like the, I mean, I'm a thrill seeker to some extent, but I was diving off 10 meter. I always tell this story of like, there were times even in college where I was like, I'd done this dive 500 times, right? Or a thousand times. And I was on Tim and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Couldn't I just chose like golf or like tennis? Like yep. it could have been so much like less scary. Yeah. And so long story short, I trained super hard for like three years. I ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Minnesota with arguably one of the best Olympic coaches or USA Olympic coaches that has ever, you know, you know, he's, he will be a legend. Um, his name is Wenbo Chen. And, um, he helped me a lot. Like he was a very great coach. And as far as technical, you know, giving technical feedback and coaching. Um, but then my freshman year I got injured and I was, it was two months into my, two months into my first year of college. And we had just started lifting in the weight room and it was like a lot of legs, a lot of you know, deadlift squats, all these movements that I really had never done before, like in in gymnastics and diving, you know, we don't lift weights, like it's all body weight, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe my form wasn't the best, like maybe I went too heavy. I also had some predisposition from injuries with gymnastics and I was on trampoline and I was, it was one month into my first year of diving in college and I herniated disc in my low back and Spent the majority of my freshman year trying to figure out what was happening, what was going on. It was the most frustrating, one of the most frustrating times of my life where, you know, it's you're in constant pain and nobody can see it and you can't figure out what's wrong. And so you feel like your coach doesn't believe you. You feel like the trainers aren't really believing you on how much pain there actually is. And so it wasn't until about two weeks before the Big Ten Championships that I figured out exactly what was wrong. And they basically gave me three options of you can... We can give you an epidural, which is like a painkiller that will basically numb the entire bottom half of your body, put a big needle in your back, and it'll be, you'll feel okay for about, you know, a couple months. For context, that's what women giving birth have. Yeah, it's a really, really strong painkiller. It's basically a a blocker of some sort where it like basically just negates any pain from a certain area, in a certain area. You can quit, or you can not quit, but you can take a break. And, you know, try to let I also had stress fractures in my low back as well. And so you can try to let them heal or you can just compete and do your best, basically. And first two, I was or the first one, I was like, absolutely, you're not coming near me with uh, that huge ass needle. I also am not a big proponent of painkillers because I think it's your body's trying to tell you something. Exactly. I feel like that's really scary. The thought of just putting a bandaid on something like that where you can I mean, you could mess yourself up so bad. Yeah. And I. What I was afraid of is more like not being able to feel myself. Like mm-hmm. I want to be able to feel every part of my body. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes a diver a diver if you is can't like too. yeah. Like well, that's what makes an elite athlete an elite athlete is that like they know exactly what's going on in their bodies at yeah. all times, or they're aware of it. They can feel it. So I was absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And then you know, second option of taking a break is two weeks out from Big Tens. Like this is something that I'd worked for. You know, for yeah, I guess my entire life if you count gymnastics, like countless hours and I was like all right I'll compete you know I'll just do it and then um did that I did okay like it wasn't I was just all stressed out and was not in my best state 
by any means. And so took a break after that, kind of took a break that summer um, a little bit more, just try to like give myself a little bit of time to come back. And then went back my sophomore year and just like, I was just having a lot of problems. Like mentality wise, I was not, you know, I was not in the best spot. I was kind of depressed and, you know, I turned to, you know, some vices that I wasn't, that wasn't the best. And so I had a lot of problems like out of the pool, but I also was struggling with, you know, my injury. And I think bottom line was like, I was really, really sad that I thought that this wasn't going to be something that I could continue. And by the end, I quit after my sophomore year for those, for the, you know, end of the story. But I just, I loved, you know, I was always looking forward and trying to be the best. And then when I figured out that that might not be the case um, anymore, it kind of just tore me apart. And so that led to me really distancing myself from that sport just because I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't really there anymore. I couldn't dive into it. See what I did there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> as much as I wanted to. Um, and yeah, I, I think, but what it taught me is like, there's w- way better options like ahead and there was some other career things that happened. So mm-hmm. um, like there was some awesome things that happened outside of the pool, like with my career that I was really excited about. So that kind of made this whole corner like turn very easy mm-hmm. and very like, you know, beneficial in the long run. Yeah. Totally. Well, that's obviously an incredible story. I feel like, especially being an athlete, that's it's so difficult to go through all those things, especially like you had you were so passionate about becoming the best. And I think you still are that way. You want to become the best at things that you're doing, which I really respect and think is awesome. And then it sucks when something is completely out of your control Yeah. and you really can't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, it's you can only control what you can control. And yeah, that for me was a big like mindset shift that I had to make. And, you know, in the moment I wasn't thinking like, you know, I'm going to make this huge change. It was more like, no, I need to make this, I need to make adjustments. Like I need to adjust. I need to refocus my energy somewhere else into something that I'm passionate about. And that turned into, you know, field marketing. And so I went into field marketing and worked for Red Bull for two and a half years. And that was like, amazing like I was learning hands-on which is my favorite way to learn and um, you know I wasn't the best student in college just because I was so involved in my in my career not in my career but in my job at the time I loved it it was so fun Mm -hmm. Um, and then after college I worked for this other company for two years and I always had my eyes set on the west coast and uh, it was time I was like you know what two years out I turned 25 and I was like, you know what? I'm out. I got to I got to get out of Minneapolis. It just seemed really small. And so I packed up my car and I moved out here. I had found some roommates through some fr- mutual friends out here. Um, and without a job or anything, I drove out here and was like, I'll figure it out. I'm going to work twice as hard as anybody else to get what I want. I so. love that. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to talk about what happened next when we come back. See you in a second. Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it cash back match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year 
automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Hey everyone, I'm Kirk. And I'm Lindsay. And we're just two best friends living our best lives as models in Paris. That's not remotely true. Fine, but we do have a podcast called Food Fight where Lindsay and I argue about our favorite topic, food. Each week on Food Fight, Kirk and I will have a fully opinionated and completely uneducated discussion about food. We love food and more importantly, we love to argue about whose food opinions matter most. For instance, I'm a person who lives for Bloody Marys while Kirk is a monster and thinks oatmeal raisin cookies are better than chocolate chip. Well, I'm a person who appreciates Thai boat noodles, while Lindsay is a garbage person who thinks rye bread and pumpernickel are the same thing. So if you're a foodie or just someone who loves a good argument, please pause the show you're listening to right now and go subscribe to Food Fight for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I could be a model in Paris. You are a moron. And we're back. Hello, guys. Thank you for still being here. All right. Okay. So we were just talking all about your background from birth, from adoption, through <laughs> that was a very gymnastics. like fast way to talk about a twenty-seven year period. I know. Can you imagine? Right, no, you... I guess we're only at twenty-five now. Mm. Yeah, 25 we're only year at twenty-five. Period. We, got, we, <laughs> we still, still got, got two some years. Really good stuff. <laughs> Almost <coming>. three. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I, I do think it's it is interesting to kind of reflect on our past and from the very start and to think how everything we've done has led us to this moment. I mean, if you hadn't had to quit diving like what would have happened now mm. we don't know it could have been gone anyway and like you're saying you had to have a mindset shift and you saw that there were a lot of other opportunities out there so i want to know now okay you were just saying that you got into field marketing and you were super into that and then so you packed up and came to la i thought this was so interesting because i feel like i could never just pack up a car move to a city with no idea what i was doing i feel like that would stress me out not having a plan and i think that's pretty dope that you did that what were you like feeling when like what was your thought process in doing that i guess um well i so it wasn't like i was just alone first of all like i i knew i had some friends out here my best friend jake he i actually drove him out here when he moved um like two years prior so i'd visited a bunch i kind of knew where i wanted to be and or i figured out that this is where i wanted to be um but my basically my mentality was like listen, like, I'm going to work twice as hard as anybody else to make sure that this works out. Like, yeah. I had enough for, like, six months. Like, I had enough money for, like, six months to, like, figure it out. Um, and so I moved to – I got here literally on Halloween. Like, like drove into – like, started moving my apartment on Halloween. Wow. Um, and it was – yeah, I really didn't have – exactly a direction of where I wanted to go. I thought I wanted to go into field marketing or continue that career path, um, which is what I ended up doing right away. That was my second job. My first job was actually two weeks after I moved here. I walked into my current employer Mm -hmm. and uh, basically handed them my resume um, and was like, hey, I have this experience. For those, I didn't preface this, but I was a yoga instructor after I quit diving I found needed to find something as some sort of outlet for, you know, fitness, right? And mm-hmm. I got really into core power yoga, um, taking a lot of what's called sculpt classes, which is, you know, more of like a high intensity hot yoga class with weights. And that I like took a bunch of classes. That's actually what I was doing as I was quitting diving because it was the only thing that made my back feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um and so decided that 
I wanted to be an instructor, so I went through the teacher training and started teaching. Yeah, wait, what made you decide you wanted to be an instructor, actually? that's Because that's such a different thing than just taking class and being an athlete. Well, when you're so when you're at that level of any sort of athlete, like gymnastics, diving, whatever, you end up coaching, right? You end up coaching little kids. You know, I coached little kids when I was in gymnastics. Okay, when I was, so was it was in middle school. I coached when I was, you know, hurt. I had coached my like, di- I had coached my fellow divers. I was like sitting on the side mm-hmm. of the pool, like coaching them, right? Yeah. So I had experience in giving people feedback, directing people. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I think I could be good at this. And so I try, or I did the teacher training, audition, started teaching. Um, so I taught for about two years in Minnesota before I moved out here. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. I yeah. also was involved in another high-intensity interval training studio in Minneapolis that I did another like group fitness training, more of like technical, like squatting, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, so I had those two things in my back pocket, and my former roommate in Minnesota, actually, Bo, I have to give you a shout out because you're the reason why I'm here. So um, his name is Bo and he works for the company that now does the flooring. He, they do all the flooring for, I work at Basecamp Fitness. So um, they do all the flooring. And so he's like, do you got to go check this out? It's amazing. It's very similar to what we've been doing in Minnesota in a way. Um, he's like, I think you'll love it. You should try to be an instructor there. I was like, okay, great. And I ended up moving like six blocks away from the studio. So rode my bike over there when I was, you know, about a week after I was kind of settled, rode my bike over there, walked in with my resume, chatted with who was then the studio manager and got the ball rolling and started teaching about a month later, two a month and a half later. I think my first class was at the end of December of twenty sixteen. So yeah, that was that was so my first So you did job. have some you had some kind of, I understand I think why it may have felt a little more calm as well, like moving over, because you did have some resources, you had some experience that you knew you could fall back, not fall back on, but you could, you know, easily go. No, I think fall back is the best way to describe it. Like I had these certifications in my pocket. I knew I was semi-aware of the market, like how big LA was for fitness. And Mm -hmm. um, I also, yeah, I had the my mentality was never that of failure. Right. It was like this will work. Yeah. Like I will make it work. I think that's so important because I was gonna say I was gonna ask you next, like if you hadn't had those things available to you or you hadn't had that experience, would you have felt as comfortable and confident moving across the country with essentially not a lot besides you know some savings? I think it was my experience, the experience, and then also like I knew my skills. Right, yeah. I knew that. You know, I can really get at talking to people. And, you know, my major in high, or in high school, my major in college was communications or yeah. persuasive communication. So, um, which is re- like rhetoric. And so I really, really liked that just because it played to my, you know, my strengths as just being an extrovert and talking right. to people. Um, you obviously had a good mindset, probably. Do you think some of that mindset came from the sports that you did? Because, okay. For example, you're saying like, you know, you kind of went over here saying, I know it'll be okay. It'll work out. And that's also a mindset that I've always had actually up and I think like, if anything, I've struggled more with it as I've gotten older. It's like when I was younger and in high school and college, I always was just like, oh, it'll all like, it'll just be fine. I know that I will be successful. I know that I'll be fine. If one thing doesn't work, another door will open. And that's always been my mindset. Mm -hmm. Granted, I can thank my parents a lot for that. They're both psychologists. They both like 
you know, kind of instilled that in me. But I also recognize that's not a natural thing for people to always feel comfortable and confident with. I, you know, we've had guests even on here before who say that is completely opposite with their nature. They're more in a scarcity mindset and a fear mindset of like, I don't know. What if I can't find something? What if nothing happens? Like, what advice would you give someone who's maybe in that position? Yeah, I mean, I think the advice, I don't know about advice, but I can just speak to my, like, personal experiences, which is, I have also had that same mindset for pretty much my entire life. Um, you know, there's been times when, you know, there, my life hasn't been like a breeze by any means. There's also way worse things that could happen. But yeah. um, understanding that, you know, this is, it's temporary if anything is going wrong. And then my whole, my whole life and my mom used to get so mad at me for this because I would she would be stressed out, like I didn't get a good grade in school or, you know, I wasn't doing well in something. And, um, you know, my my whole philosophy my whole life is like, it'll work out, like it'll be okay. Yeah. And that piece of it, I think, I would like to hope that that's kind of driven me to where I'm at now is like having that mindset, mindset shift. There was times where I was like really low, right? Like my sophomore year of college, I was like pretty much depressed. I was diagnosed with depression when I was in college. And you know, I was really low at that time and I had to kind of come back from that and learn how to make that shift again of like, you know what, it's going to be okay. I need to start looking forward instead of dwelling on what's going Mm -hmm. on right now. Like, how can I make this better? Mm -hmm. And that was the shift that kind of changed everything for me where it was really like a moment of clarity of, you know what, I need to, I need to like, talk about this for a second there's this film it's called the art of flight right it's, it's gonna sound so cheesy but it's a, it's a snowboarding like film over here on the podcast yeah it's a it's a snowboarding film that's produced by red bull media house and i watched this movie it's so inspiring it was way ahead of its time i was a huge action sports fan growing up like i was always on the lake wakeboarding and wake surfing surfing when i could um and it was just like a complete game changer for me i watched it every night before i went to bed when I was a sophomore in high or college, I watched it every night before I went to bed. I was like, so inspiring, like watching these guys do, you know, exactly what they wanted to do, you know, following their passion. It was really inspiring to me. And that, I watched that movie so many times and I was like, I need to work for this company. Like, this is so inspiring. This is something I can get behind. I love the message. I love what they're supporting, who they're supporting. And so I literally applied to every single position that a student could at Red Bull Mm -hmm. when I was a sophomore (laughs) and uh, like literally every position, like I wrote different cover letters. I was like so ready. And um, that was like a really, I think that's kind of a, to go back to your point of like, that was the mindset shift I had to make. I started looking forward. I started like, how can I be involved? I'm so passionate. I'm passionate about this film. I'm passionate about this brand. This is something that I can get behind. Like, I really want to be involved. Mm-hmm. So I threw myself completely at it as far as, like, energy-wise and also, you know, resume-wise. I think that's actually a really interesting little tidbit that, you know, one film, essentially, really inspired you and kind of started that shift in mindset. I can actually say that, for me, the movie The Secret and the book – instantly this is why this podcast exists is Mm. i watched that movie and literally that day i had this aha moment of like holy crap i'm so into this mindset stuff like i can have whatever reality i want and you know because i was in a point of feeling extremely unfulfilled 
like just going about my day to day, working hard, but feeling like I wasn't progressing that much, feeling like there had to be more that I could do to like impact people and to, you know, do more things I love. And I literally watched that movie and it was this aha moment. And from there, it sparked this whole chain of just research and books and podcasts. And I got so into it and I was like, I am going to create something that helps other people develop this mindset that I've now been working to develop. But I think that's I think that's really inspiring in itself that sometimes even when you're not looking for it, but sometimes you guys, if you're ever needing like something to feel re-inspired, you can just absorb as much information and movies and documentaries and podcasts as you can, because you never know when someone will say it could be one sentence that someone says that sparks this entire change in you or it that sparks you to want to do something different. Like it can be literally one thing and you're not expecting it. And I, I actually had that same situation happen. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think, and, I think also being open to it, being, like yeah, totally. being, being ready for something like that yeah. to come, like to, to show up. And I, that was, you know, it showed that movie or that film like showed up right as I needed it. Mm-hmm. And, um, that I think having that openness to, you know, having, those changes are seeing basically reading the signs, right? Yeah. Like if, if something like that shows up, like giving it space, giving it time and like investigating, like, yeah. is this something that like really is going to help me? Well, and, and I like to believe like if it does, the mindset that you had is what also like brought that into your life. I think like from the very start, you weren't resisting, like you were in a low point, but you still had the attitude of like, you know things will work out. You didn't get to a point where you're saying, I'm never gonna be anything, I'm never gonna, like, I'm, I mean, I don't wanna speak for you, but I feel like, I feel like that mindset of even in the low points, knowing that there is a, like, you will be on the other side, like there, you will overcome it. And I can fix this. You can fix it. I feel like that, that in itself is what attracts those types of things into your life because then your brain, you're not even trying, but when that movie came into your life, like you said, being open to it and kind of having this, aha, wait, this is something. Yeah. I'm supposed to pay attention to this. But when people are fighting and resisting and just, you know, anticipating failure and just saying these these thoughts that are beliefs that are, I'm never going to do this. There's nothing else out there for me. I'm not going to be good at this. That's when they won't find those things and those yeah. things won't come into their lives. So I think that's really, that's important. Having an open mind. I say that a lot on here too, because a lot of the stuff I talk about sounds like I'm a psycho, hippie, dippy, woo-woo girl saying, you know, manifesting and all of these things. But I always like to say, just tr- be open to it. Be open to it. Because the worst that's going to happen is you don't like it and you decide not to think about it anymore. Fine. That's okay. I think you're missing out. But just being open to things. Yeah. And I mean, I think when it comes down to it in that situation like I was you know I was really low but I was yeah I was looking trying to look forward and always that's kind of been my mindset my entire life of like yeah I was in a really shitty place at that time but you know looking forward of like what can I do next to like I have all this energy I have like these skills I'm not an idiot Um, and it ended up being you know the best job I've ever had as Mm -hmm. far as like I actually got you know, paid to do something that I was really good at that wasn't sports. Yeah. That wasn't diving or gymnastics, you know, or something athletic. Right. And that was really refreshing where it was like, now I can kind of let that part go of, you know, there's always a sense of loss when you quit something, right? When you quit, when I quit diving, there was a sense of loss. When I quit gymnastics, it was really hard. Like it was, you know, a sense of loss as well. But it was nice to kind of have that handoff 
it sucked that I had to go through that low point to find yeah. it, but um, I it was definitely an awesome thing of like, okay, this is kind of like the natural progression yeah. of what my life is going to be, and you know now I can get or do a job that I'm good at like without really having to try too hard. It plays right. to my skill set. It plays to my personality type, and right. um, it came right along as I needed it. Yeah, and I like to think that those things happen kind of for a reason. I, I like to at least live my life with no regrets or no, like, feeling, you know, oh, I should never have done this or I can't believe this happened. I like to literally think that every single moment it's leading me to the next moment, whether it's good or bad. Um, and people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes when I talk about, like, ex-boyfriends who have cheated on me. And I'm like, no, I'm glad they did. They're like, what? But ultimately I am because every single thing that's happened, especially the tough stuff, is what leads you to where you are now and what strengthens your mentality and, and everything else about you, I think. So I want to ask you something about – you've basically mentioned that – you've said this several times now that you wanted to be the best. You wanted to be the best. You wanted to work hard so you were the best. Mm -hmm. And I – think that you that shows up a lot in who you are now you are you are very good at a lot of things and you want to be good at things and you when you take something on you take it upon yourself to be the best and you've always had that mentality like when you are running freaking half marathons and I'm like you're a psycho and you're like no but I want to and even though I hate it but I need to do good and like okay I find that very I like impressive. challenges yeah. yes because I am so the opposite of that I'm like no do not physically test me uh-uh I hate this mm -hmm. I'm dreading this um I want to know, does, do you think that that at all comes from, well, not only your athletic background, but also I want to go all the way back to little baby Andres being adopted, living, you know, going through your life from that perspective. Do you think that those two things are connected in any way? I mean, I think one is the result of the other. Like, I think that my dedication to athletics when I was growing up was it was completely intrinsic. Like I, like I said, I asked my parents to enroll me in gymnastics. Like yeah. I asked them to do that over and over again. I asked them, I also used to play drums. I asked them for a drum set for every year for my birthday for five years until I was in fifth grade. Like <laughs> I literally, amazing. I asked them every year and it was, I don't know if it was just intrinsic. I mean, if I was just born with that, I mean, I'm I not like really sure. Naturally, I I've only known you for the past couple of months, but I feel like you probably are very just naturally good at so many things. Not to like gas you up, but I'm gassing <laughs> you up. You are you really are like very good at things that you try, and that's awesome. I think I yeah. I mean that's that comes from trying hard though. Like right. I I don't if I'm trying something new. Like right now, I'm working on golf. Like. Okay, I always talk. I'm talking about like how I don't like athletic things, but I like I love athletic challenges, yeah. like physical <laughs> yeah. challenges. Like if there's something new that I can learn, like really challenging. Golf is like completely different than diving, completely different movements. Mm -hmm. Learning how to do it and like learning how to swing, it's just a fun challenge, like a half marathon. Like I like to kind of put those things in front of me, just because it gives me something to work towards, mm -hmm. and I from the time I can remember, my parents are also amazing when it came to harnessing that energy. Mm -hmm. Like if I wanted to do something or if I asked them to do something, they would let me try it. You know, they would let me at least try. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, you know, that piece of it, they, they were really there for support. And you and I actually had this conversation a couple of weeks or a week or two ago of like my 
like the best relationships that I have in my life is not somebody like telling me good job. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that, you know, for some people that work, those words of affirmation work. For me, it's just like, can you be supportive and be there? Like, and just help me in what, like, even if it's just being there or mm-hmm. like driving me to practice for 15 years mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like that piece of it, my parents never ever tried to give me coaching of like, oh, you should have done this better in your meet or you should have like done this. It was always like, we're so proud of you. Keep working hard. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, awesome in a way. And like, I think they could see that I was motivated and didn't need them to tell me to keep going except for at the end yeah, when I was ready to be done. Um, but I think that's the, yeah, I, it's, I've always been that way of like always looking forward almost to a fault. Like I would, I would be the first one to admit that that mindset is dangerous. Yeah. It can be, it can be dangerous in a lot of ways. Well, because I think what's interesting with the whole, you know, people saying good job thing in this probably seeps over into your personal life where you know, I know firsthand that you taking compliments is a funny situation because I f- you get uncomfortable when people compliment you. And that's yeah, something like that I've never met anyone besides you who has felt that way, not to put you on the spot. <laughs> but learning more about you makes so it makes sense. It does mm-hmm. make sense. You you're feeling like you can do better. So why are you giving me all this praise if, you know, I could do better? And that's interesting. I'd rather get constructive feedback. Totally. Like, how can I improve? Totally. Like, and and I actually understand that because to, in a lot of ways, I'm like that as well. But in a lot of ways, I've also realized that it is so important in order to get better to also be not to be to settle or to be OK with where you're at now, but to not only gratitude, to be grateful for where you have come and to look back and say, hey, I really have, though, done so much. Or I really have, because that was me. I mean, last year, I literally would sit here. Every time I feel like time's flying by fast, I'd sit here and be like, Adrian, what the heck have you done in the last year? Like, you've done nothing. You're doing the same job. You haven't progressed. Like, your numbers haven't changed that much. You've done nothing. And I would beat myself up for it. And in a way, like we're talking about, I think part of that is healthy and good because it's it's pushing me to be better. And I yeah. always think it's okay to want to be better. There's this weird polarity where everyone's like self-love, self-acceptance. But then it's like, why are we being shamed for wanting to be better, for wanting to improve something that we could improve? And I fully am with you on that. I think that what I had to realize is that it's not healthy for me to always be beating myself up and wanting the next thing because guess what? There's always the next thing. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be more. You get to that top level, you wish you were making even more money. You you know, for me, it's like, okay, I want to, if I want to, make this amount of money or have this type of role. Well, then when I get there, I'm going to be like, no, I now want what? this. And yeah. and the thing is, what I've realized is like life is too short sometimes for that. I even think about retirement and how people just work their whole lives to retire and then they get to retirement and they're like, well, now what? Bored. Bored, old, have money. Well, what's the point of having money if you don't spend it on experiences and things you want? Yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent to just say <laughs> that I feel you there and I, I think it's interesting and I'd be curious to hear like if that's if that whole thing is something that you feel like is healthy for you now or whether you feel like you need more of a balance or want more of a balance between yeah. accepting, you know, compliments on your current progress and accepting where you're at and your skills versus just wanting to constantly be more and be better. Yeah, I mean, I think 
as I've like matured, right? Like when I was, honestly, when I was in gymnastics, when I was in diving, I never thought, I never was like, I'm good at this. Like even when I, I won the state meet in Minnesota when I was a senior year, a senior in high school, like I won the state meet, I felt like it was a, like a joke. You know, I worked my ass off to get there, right? But like, I never tell people that. Like even now, yeah. I don't. I don't like talking about it. It makes me, like, it makes me uncomfortable because in the moment, I wasn't like. So you didn't feel proud. like you deserved. I like. That? I mean, I was proud of it. It was a cool accomplishment. But like, did you feel like you deserved it? Yeah, in a way. But I wasn't like, hey, let's all celebrate me. Like that's not. I was like, okay, well now I have to prepare for college. Like that was my. That was the okay, first thing I, that I yeah. thought. I was like, okay, like. This is something I've worked for for three years. Were you happy when you won? Yeah, of course. Like, I worked really hard, and, you know, it was cool to stand on top of the the podium, and, like, I missed it. I should have won the year before, and I missed it. And so there was a lot of pressure in that way. Um, So you were happy, and you you had worked hard, but you weren't proud. You didn't want to... I would never tell people. I would never tell people that. And I think that's where, like, this thing that I try to practice is like active humility right and where you know yes there are I'm I have skills right I'm I'm good at some things but I would never ever tell somebody that Mm -hmm. unless I mean like an interview no I mean I I agree though but I've the reason I find this so interesting is because you know I think I like to think that you do know what your skills are and you do know what you're good at and you I do I do know and but I think there's a difference between not wanting to tell people because I feel that way as well. I hate telling people my job. I hate mm. when people ask me how many followers I have. I'm like, it's not who cares. It's mm. not. A, I mean, love you guys, but it's like you know what I mean. I'm not sitting there to be like, well, I have this YouTube channel. Blah, blah. Like I hate that more than anything. Mm. I don't want to like come off as I'm bragging, especially because I feel like oh you know, but I I want even farther beyond what I have right now. Yeah, looking forward, and that's where in those moments I was. I was going to these meets with guys that were Olympians, that were yeah. future Olympians. And so I guess for you, I'm standing. I'm sitting there. I competed <laughs> against David Bodaya, who is the first Olympic gold medalist wow. in like 20 years. I competed against him in a meet, and it was like, you know, seeing that level and then seeing where I was at. Like, I was always looking that direction, right? And so I never got the chance. And this is something that I actually kind of regret too. Is like. I mean, no regrets, but something I wish I would have changed or wish I would have approached differently, which is I wish I would have, like, held and, and just, you know, breathe, you know, just hold and breathe and, like, enjoy the moment. And mm-hmm. that's something that I have tried to change a little bit more yeah. of. I've, I'm definitely aware that this is a – it can be an issue, with especially with friends and family of, like, giving compliments or like acknowledging like saying thank you when people give you give me compliments like that's not saying that it happens super often in your case it happens too often but um <laughs> I compliment him a lot but I also <laughs> like to make you uncomfortable yeah that's great but I, I yeah I wish that I think the the moral of that piece of it is I wish I would have like enjoyed the moment more yeah. instead of constantly looking back because when I think of the times when I was in you know when I was in diving when I was in gymnastics when I was doing these things I was trying to get you know be the best like it didn't feel good like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't feel good to be 
always looking forward and like being like, God, I'm never going to like do that. I'm never going to be there. Like, or I have so much work to do to get there. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think that is ex- what you just said is applicable to so many aspects of life and so many different industries and so many different personal problems as well. Like I, I can relate so much to that where when you look ahead, sometimes it's just so intimidating and scary and like you start dreading it. And like, for me, it makes me not even want to do it anymore. Like I'll look ahead and be like, Oh, that's so much. I I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've had to stop doing that altogether. That's why I think it's so important to like live day to day and be appreciative and enjoy the current moment. Even if you want more and then you work harder towards whatever that more thing is. But I find that, you know, when it comes to when people give compliments and things like that, it's, I used to not accept compliments either. Mm. It was so, so hard because, you know, someone's like, wow, your eyebrows look so good today. And in my head, I had just this morning been like, dang, I need an eyebrow wax. It's been like a month. So then someone gives you a compliment and you're like, oh no, I like, I literally was just saying how bushy and ugly they are. Yeah. But I've learned that A, if someone is saying a compliment, they're genuinely thinking it. And, you know, it's it they're being nice by saying it out loud. And so I've learned to just be like, thank you. Even if I feel like I'm a gross, sweaty rat and they're like, you look so pretty. I just have to be like, thank you. Because I've also realized that I sound dumb and ignorant and kind of conceited. If someone says like, wow, you look so gorgeous. And I'm like, like, oh, no. Or like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, like whatever. (laughs) No, totally. I realized my mom actually taught me from a young age, like, Adrian, you sound like if you say no, no, I look terrible. You sound dumb. Yeah. Because in their eyes, if I look good, like I sound stupid for being like, oh, you know, I would say I'm good at accepting compliments outwardly. Yeah. Inwardly, not the best. Not the best. Well, and that's all that matters, I think, is like how you view yourself, you know? Mm. Do you think there's a world in which someone can be both supportive? Because in my mind, I think compliments, as long as they're not surface level, like when you were saying that your parents would just be like, good job, honey, after meets. I understand that. My parents, when I would get in the car after a soccer game, would be like, Adrian, you really should have when that one player came at you, like blah, blah, blah. I would have but- killed my parents if they would ever do that. Like oh, really? They, oh, my gosh. If they were to ever been so like. So you would have been mad. Like, but then you. It's a whole like. No, so I. wanted the support. Just I the just support. needed support. Like, it's like. Okay, wait. Do what. Do stay in your lane. Hold on. You know, so like my mom doesn't know. My mom's not a trained gymnastics right. or diving right, right, coach. Right. She's not going to know and the I mechanics of diving or gymnastics. My mom to this day is like, do this video. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. It won't work. But like, yeah, but hold on. But, but now I'm confused. This is interesting because now you're saying, so in those moments, sometimes all you needed was just the support and just the, we're here. Good job. We support you. No, they didn't say good job. They just oh, said, you said like, they like, I'm proud of that. you. No, they wouldn't. They never just said, I mean, they said that like, yeah, you did great. You know, but it was like, yeah, we're proud of you. Or they just didn't say anything. Right. They like. But here's the interesting. I know thing. nothing sticks out to but me I when they're like, like. Do you want? Do you think that? Do you like when people support in that way, or do you wish that people would just say nothing? Like, do you wish people would either give constructive criticism, or just be neutral? Because I feel like I now, think it's like I feel saying like you, like you like did it. it. I think like people should just it. never speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like you did it. Like yay. Now, whatever. Like you did a thing. Yeah, you did something. <laughs> I think that, I mean, just to put it into words, that's like even, you know, something like running a half marathon, right? Like that to me, I've, I knew I could do it. I've done it. To, like that was my third one. And I knew I could do it. the first one. Like I, it was just like, I wanted to be competitive. I wanted right. to like try something new. I was like, this sounds like a fun challenge. Like, yeah. I've never run more than 10 miles in my life before, but you know what? 
I don't. I didn't train. Like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Like, <laughs> he's stupid. literally that guy that you want to hate stupid. because he's like, stupid. oh, whatever. And then everyone else is training super hard, and then you like beat them. No, and they're just like, oh, we hate you. That's that's not it. Yeah, it is. Don't uh, listen to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. Wait, I, don't I remember think... your last half marathon though, because I was actually there, and I remember before you even ran it i was like oh this is so cool like you're so cool well done good job what did i say do you remember yeah you're like i haven't done anything yet yes exactly and i said yeah but the fact that you're you're even doing this like going to do this i thought was impressive yeah but not impressive it. in a way where it's like oh my god good job you mm-hmm. but kind of just like hey this is really cool that you're doing this mm-hmm. that you're doing this i don't care i was you... also in the space of like trying to get in the zone to run 13.1 miles the... <laughs> so i probably wasn't in the best space to like hey, be like I'm... woo i'm so excited like i was I know, probably in a different space I... i'm the most hype girl you could ever it was great no it was great interesting yeah <laughs> no i just think that that dynamic is so interesting because you know, I, I've just never met anyone before who really doesn't believe. Like, if someone says that you did a good job doing something, even just teaching a class, teaching one of your fitness classes, if someone's like, hey, I loved that class. Like, you were such a good teacher. Thank you for helping me. To me, that, I mean, if that were me that they're saying that to, it would mean a lot. When people comment on my podcast and say, this episode really helped me. Thank you for talking about this. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there like, dang, yay, I impacted someone, even if it was one person. To me, that's validating in not only what I'm doing, but that, you know, because I'm in my own head all the time. Like, is is what I'm doing even meaningful? Is it impactful? Mm-hmm. Are people responding? And when someone says that that it impacted them, that does that says a lot to me. It it makes me feel really good, and I'm and I feel like for you, it's it doesn't quite have that same effect. Yeah, I mean, there's... Like, what is going through your mind if someone were to say that? Like, I'm not, like, I'm, I'll accept it, but I'm not thinking, I'm thinking about the things that could have gone better, or I'm thinking about ways to, like, how I can improve. And what s- I missed, I was like, okay, I missed that, like, okay, great, make sure to look out for that next time, whether it's, like, you know, honestly, if I'm teaching a class, or if I'm, you know, when I was, you know, in my, if I'm playing golf, mm-hmm. you know, like or, you know, doing whatever, I think that that piece of it is, you know, I can understand, like, the p- person wanting to give me that compliment, and I fully accept it and, like, appreciate the fact that they're saying that, but my narrative in my head is not, you know, you can't see me, but I'm patting myself on my back right now. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't, that that type of stuff drives me crazy. But listen, what you're saying, this is, I love this, this is yeah. so good. What you just said, though, is that, you know, you're thinking about, okay, I missed this, what I could have done, which actually I think is really healthy and really good because mm-hmm. in any job or in anything that you're trying to improve, that like that's the natural mindset. People should, too, a lot of people are too lazy to even care about, hey, what could I have done better that time? When you actually are, when you like something and you care about something you're doing, I think it's important and healthy to be looking at those things. But I also then think what's interesting is A, that person who came up and gave you that compliment, there's no way on earth that they could tell that you missed a thing or said something wrong. There's no way. They have no idea. Yeah. Right? So that that's one piece of it. And also, even what I'm, I guess, wondering is even despite the things you could have done better or things you missed, do you ever, but you literally don't stop there, though, and also say, okay, but it also went really well. I mean, that person thought it. I don't know. It's just it's so foreign to me. So this is why it's interesting. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I just yeah. That's the way I think. I yeah. can't. I can't just like sit there and be like, "Fuck yeah, that was great." Like, 
I just crush that. Well, like, there's, but I'm there's not even no, like, you have to do that. Yeah, no, but I'm, you know, that's, but see, that's, I think, where it's polarizing for me, where I, like, I see it as one or the other. Right. You know, and I, that's both good and also can be very, very bad. Like, mm-hmm. it should not be black and white like that. I agree. And, and that's why, you know, I'm very, now I'm very conscious of it. And I will be the first one to admit that that's, you know, a problem that I have, you know, in a way of like, accepting people's compliments or positive feedback where it's like sometimes yeah your soul needs that like you you want to hear that deep down Mm -hmm. like do i want to hear people tell me like that i that was awesome or whatever i don't really like the words good job but i like the Mm -hmm. words like you know something specific i like specificity when it comes Mm -hmm. to those types of that type of feedback but you know i think having that awareness it took me a lot to get there though like i I, I, I had that, you know, voice in the back of my head being like, okay, this, this, and this, like, could have gone better. But I'm also now learning how, still learning, I will never be perfect at this mm-hmm. or never be amazing at this of, like, like I said earlier, accepting the moment and and, not, and really yeah. being present and, like, right. allowing myself to feel, you know, the positives, you know, feel that, the good feeling of doing something right. and doing something correctly or not even correctly but doing something well mm-hmm. um and that that shift is is slow it's taken you know up until this point i'm not there yet i'm something that i'm still working on actively what what like active how do you actively work on that like what are things that you do or i think being just being mindful of of those situations and when they come about like I don't like speaking before I think. I think that's like mm-hmm. something that I really highly value is like really being practical about what I say and thinking about what I say before I say it. Um, I think that piece of it, I, I go through the motions. I go through like in my head before I'm in those moments. I'm like, okay, what's my gut reaction? Okay, hold, just pause. Like, right. let's not go there. Right. Like, this is like trying to make that like that shift, right? That mm-hmm. my like it's literally a shift in the way that I think and also the way that I react. And so not just reacting instead of like instead of just thinking through it, like yeah. acknowledging that I have those feelings, right? And then moving, you know, and then giving that space, but also like trying to make that change. I think that's important. I think you're doing a good job of that because also I think whether you're even aware of this or not, like thoughts become our beliefs and if you are training yourself to react differently to that you know in a way like i i would hope at least i'm sure you hope that you will also start actually believing those things for yourself because you know your reaction is one thing and how you interact with the person giving you a compliment is one thing but ultimately what really really matters is what you actually are thinking inside if you're actually believing that you did you know that you are good at a thing or that you did I don't want to say a good job, but you did well, (laughs) specifically well at something. Trigger alert. (laughs) But do you think, yeah, I think that like in training that side, I think that you would maybe start believing it for yourself. Yeah, I I mean, I I think it's important too. I think it's for, I don't know. It's like something where I need to almost prove it to myself to believe it, you know, and like looking back. But then do you ever think you can get 
to a point where you would because I feel like you constantly I'm, want I'm the next I'm getting better thing. at it. I'm getting better yeah. at it. I don't know if I'll ever be great at it or ever be able to do it completely. But, you know, if you would have asked me five years ago, yeah. there's no way I would yeah. have been in the, same, in the same place of, like, being mindful. Giving Well, also, you have to learn a lot about yourself to find out that stuff. Like, you have totally. to go through the shitty times to figure it out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's that piece of it like there's times where I'm like this is so awesome like this whatever is happening usually it's not like something that I did but like an experience like being present in those moments like I love that but when it comes to like some sort of accolade something that I personally did Mm -hmm. it's not I'm like okay I used to be like okay what's next like I'm here like what's next looking forward or now I'm slowly making the shift of like at least giving myself like a, minute a to be second, like, okay, that was cool. a millisecond of being like, okay, yeah. wait, like that was fun. That cool, was cool. Yeah. Like, no. Now, and I think that's awesome. You're very, you're very aware. I think we've talked about this. Your EQ is very high. You're very aware of things about yourself. And I don't know if you're always that way or if it's, you know, as we get older and mature, but I do appreciate that about you. I think you're very aware of who you are and the, the things that you do and don't do and like what you like and what you don't like and that's always the first step in making any type of mindset shift anyway if you decide you know what no I really do need to start believing that I'm like the freaking best at this whatever it is but being aware of it is is first and I and holy shit I am so not perfect by the way I'm not trying to rail him on this podcast about something like this but I you guys know I like to get deep and raw and real about especially things that are something that could be considered someone's flaw or someone something that someone's struggling with in the current moment or whatever it is i think it's important right then to dive into it because then we'll end up doing a follow-up where i'll be like hey how is it now mm. and you'll be able to be like yeah i think i'm great <laughs> i don't think that's ever gonna happen it probably um, won't but yeah. it is interesting though because you can constantly the thing is every single thing there's always room for improvement there's never a per- perfection is not real mm. you'll never be perfect at anything yep. ever Perfection literally doesn't exist because in our minds we're constantly, there's constantly something more or better or there's something to be improved upon. And that's something I actually had to realize too is like that'll never happen Mm -hmm. ever. So then it's like, okay, well, how can I make the best of balancing both wanting to be better and wanting to improve and also accepting and loving the journey that I've already had and looking back and saying, dang, if I were to think about myself four years ago, five years ago, all I wanted was YouTube to be my full-time job. All I wanted was an audience to share things with. Mm. That's all I wanted. I would have given anything. I was like, I want followers for the sake of, you know, being able to share things. And I have to stop sometimes and be like, Adrian, hold on. Just stop in this current moment right now and think back to that time and look at where you're at now and appreciate that and be happy that you have come this far. Because even though I want to do a million more things going forward and impact millions more people, I can't forget that I did a thing that mm. got me here. Yeah. And that that is something to be proud of. And it's something to remember when I'm in moments of like, ah, this is so frustrating or like, I'm never going to, you know, when I have those negative moments, it's important for me personally to think back at that and say, no, but I look where I've come. Yeah. And I, I think that is the kind of the shit you asked about, like when I moved out here and like that mentality is like, I knew my skill set. I knew who I was to a certain extent. And what, you know, experience I had. And I think it was almost like I had all this ammunition, but I also had this mentality, you know, and this is where it comes in of like being a positive, I think of, I had the mentality of like, I'm, I want to be like, I'm going to be successful. 
you know, I'm, go- I'm going to figure it out. And if you hadn't had this whole thing that you have, you maybe wouldn't have done so well at those things. So I do think that's, some, that's a gift in itself is having that desire and drive to be the best. Yeah. Like that's, that's why Olympians are Olympians. They're mm. like, no, I'm not quitting at, you know, it, mediocre. Yep. I just banged the table. <laughs> Sorry. Hope you guys didn't hear Sorry. that. Well, oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you for letting me put you in the, <laughs> in the spa right there. But yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, no, I really, I really enjoy talking to you because I also think the whole like athletic mindset too is a whole nother can of worms. It's a whole thing. And, you know, we say this on the podcast now, probably every single episode, but the laws of success are universal. I think different mindsets in different industries and different people's experiences and different upbringings that they're all the same. It's all relevant. Yeah. And so I think everything you've talked about today is like, you know, moments of people's lives that they may have experienced in other ways that, you know, it's, it's cool to just hear someone else's story and, and be able to relate to that. So we are super out of time. We are going to have to cut this short. I could literally talk for hours about all of this stuff. We didn't also, even like scratch the surface of some we of the didn't things we wanted to. Sur- you heard yeah. the story. So we're going to have to do a part two of talking, getting <laughs> even more into If people are interested, in it, I don't know if it's that interesting. If you guys are interested, um, <laughs> please go leave a rating and review on the podcast. Those help so, so, so much. I'm learning more about really how much that helps you guys. So please, if you get a chance, just give it a little rating, hopefully an okay to good one, (laughs) and give it a review if you'd like. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Um, And my podcast is everywhere where podcasts are available. So subscribe. Um, Also, I wanna say before we leave, um, I've already said this before, but there is an Instagram account called at the self-made CEO. Uh, My lovely, amazing social media manager, Jojo, is running most of that we're working together um to really create some inspirational cool content that's you know partially goes hand in hand with the podcast but is also separate so go over follow that message me there anytime you guys want i love hearing your guys's feedback and your stories and we can chat over there so go follow that and obviously my personal instagram at adrian finch there's also a facebook group that i haven't yet really started posting on. I want to get more of you guys in there so we can start chatting. You guys can talk to each other. There's a Facebook group. It's a closed group. So you request to be in. And of course, any one of you will be approved. Duh. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. And of course, you can always watch the video versions. I also want to emphasize that you guys can call this number to leave me a voicemail with a question, a story, basically anything you guys want that I'll do at the end. I'm not going to do one today because we've had a longer episode, but please, please save this number. It is 818-446-6484. Leave me any voicemail with anything, basically. And we can chat at the end of the episodes. And then, Andres, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, Like my Instagram? Instagram.com slash Andres Hansen. Yep. I'll put A-N-D-R-E-S-H-A-N-S-E-N. Yes, I'll put it in the show notes. Juxtaposition. Go gas name there ever was. Spanish first name. Yeah. Danish last name. Mm, love it. <laughs> love it. Um, you guys go gas him up with compliments so that he feels super uncomfortable. Or if you guys have questions too, like I think that, you know, it's a very, it's something that people don't really talk about, about coming from, you know, an adoptive family. Yeah. And I think that's something. And if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to support them in any way that. or answer anything. Um, I'm not defensive about it all i think it's something that's really unique and it's cool yeah. and if people have had struggles i grew up with other key kids that have that had some struggles with that and identity issues and i'm happy to answer any questions about how you know that's affected me and 
I think that's the piece of it too. Or like honestly, like going through like a depression and then coming out of it, like yeah. that's another whole kit of worms do, as we well. We should do more episodes. Yeah, I mean, if you want to have me back, but I mean, nah, maybe we'll not. see. We'll see what eh. people. We'll see what people You're say. Okay. We'll see what I people mean. If say. you want some constructive criticism, I'm just yeah, kidding. please give it to me. <laughs> no, seriously, reach out to me. Yeah, I'm happy to, to talk to anybody. Um, you can also find me at Basecamp Fitness in Santa Monica. I'll be there. Yeah, you can find probably both of us there all yep, the time. We're there working I'm out twenty four seven. Um. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys for coming to listen. And I will catch you in the next episode. Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. Bye. DoorDash helps you make cash fast. All you need is your bike and a smartphone. The sign-up process is super quick and easy. Now you get to choose your own hours and be your own boss. And best of all, you get to keep 100% of your tips. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started. Rockstar Energy is giving one lucky winner a trip to Las Vegas. To enter, text Vegas to 59570 for your chance to win an all-inclusive trip to Las Vegas from Rockstar Energy. Again, that's V-E-G-A-S to 59570. A confirmation text will be sent. Standard message and data rates apply.